Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Representative John Cross shares his reaction to the governor's announcement on lifting the state's health mandates and the importance of focusing attention on rebooting Ohio's economy. Also this morning, talk about timely, this is Infrastructure Week. We'll talk about why there is such a debate over something that everyone seems to agree on with both the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the AFL-CIO. It seems American audiences can't get enough of courtroom dramas. Now the new syndicated TV show, Relative Justice, aims to resolve particularly tricky family disputes. And we have another collection of delicious and easy-to-make recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, May 14th, 2021. Today is Dance Like a Chicken Day. (laughs) Well, now that we can take off our masks, we're up for just about anything. Dance Like a Chicken Day today. National Buttermilk Biscuit Day. National Underground America Day. And I was curious about this, so I looked it up, and Underground America Day was created by a guy, and I don't know his name, who was a big advocate, I think he has long since passed away, he was a big advocate of building underground homes. And you've seen those from time to time. Uh, for a while, it was kind of a, an uber trendy thing that some people did. You'll see a house where the the front of the house is at ground level and then it kind of is built into a hill or something like that. Uh, and this was one of the early advocates of that said it was what every everybody should do. We should become like moles and <laughs> and live underground. I have to admit there are probably some benefits to this. I mean, for example, if your home is underground, you don't have to worry about tornadoes, really. I would think. Um, earthquakes and floods might be another <laughs> story entirely, but there are some advantages and i and i understand that they are much more energy efficient because obviously being underground uh they're much better insulated and so on so anyway there are advantages underground america day and it is shades day today so crack out your shades what's the weather we're actually going to have sunshine through the day today and through the weekend so there you go so, uh, did you hear about this? Target has uh, now temporary sto- uh, temporarily stopped selling Pokemon and sports trading cards in its stores. They say for the safety of their customers. This is another example of what have we come to in America today? The decision company-wide follows a violent incident in a store in Wisconsin during which one shopper was physically assaulted by four other individuals, all in a dispute over sports trading cards. So for now, the cards will only be available online. So the value of trading cards has skyrocketed recently with rare cards going for astronomical prices. But of course, they don't sell rare cards at uh, at Target. Um I mean, if they're selling them at a Target, how rare can they be? But uh, apparently people can't contain themselves, can't control themselves, and let their emotions get the best of them, and this is what happens. Ruins it for the rest of us. Four people assaulted one guy over sports trading cards at Target. So, crazy. Uh, Here are some of the uh, more interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your day started. Uh, researchers from Edith Cowan University have found that an apple a day does indeed keep the doctor away. People who ate at least 470 grams of fruit and vegetables daily had 10% lower stress levels compared to those who consumed less than 230 grams. So that is the magic number between 230 and 470 grams or more. Lead researcher of the study says, we found that people who have higher fruit and veggie intake are less stressed than those with lower intakes, which suggests that diet plays a key role in mental 
well-being. The recommendation is at least 400 grams of fruits and vegetables per day. They would recommend a few more. But the bottom line is, the more fruits and veggies you have, the less stressed you are. So, make of that what you will. Here's another uh, interesting human science story. Sleep expert Dr. Michael Bruce says, if you find yourself waking up at the same time each night, and a lot of people will have that happen, and just waking up in the middle of the night for no apparent reason. If it happens to you the same time, or generally the same time uh, every night, there could be a very simple reason your body is out of fuel. If you think about it, let's say you wake up at 3.30 in the morning, uh, for, and then you toss and turn for a while before you can go back to sleep. And you had dinner like at 6.30 the night before. Well, that means you are waking up right when you hit nine hours without eating anything. So, lesson in this, Dr. Bruce says, uh, you can prevent this by either having um, a teaspoon of raw honey, he says, a cup of guava leaf tea will also do the trick about a half hour before bed. Both of those things have been shown to keep blood sugar stable throughout the night. So that is the secret. That's what if you are waking up in the middle of the night for no apparent reason, you toss and turn before going back to sleep, try a, t- a teaspoon of raw honey or a cup of guava leaf tea about a half hour before bed. You're welcome. You report back to us and let us know if that works. I don't know if you saw this. It has been uh, making the rounds on social media. Kind of an interesting story. Uh, People have been finding dryer sheets inside their mailboxes and wondering, what is this all about? Is this some sort of online internet prank or something going on here that I need to be worried about? Well, no. As it turns out, the dryer sheets are there to keep the wasps away. A postal worker uh, took to social media to explain that uh, we all know how temperamental these little insects are and merely existing in their presence is enough to make them angry and get yourself stung. Wasps are just nasty. So postal workers, uh, this particular postal worker said last year he was stung 10 times. And so... Uh, they have come up with a solution mail carriers have. They put a dryer sheet at the back of the mailbox, uh, and that prevents the wasps from nesting in the mailbox, uh, which they have a penchant for doing. So, um, he said it's a preventive measure. If the, nest, if the nest is already there, it really doesn't do any good. But as a preventive measure, a lot of postal carriers will put dryer sheets in the mailboxes. I thought that was kind of interesting. So if you found one of those, now you know why. And if your uh, mail carrier hasn't done it, well, maybe you can do that for him. Just take a just take a dryer sheet, put it in the mailbox. It's actually kind of interesting. So that's the deal that has been making the rounds on social media. I thought if you hadn't seen that. And a uh, couple of other stories here among the first things you need to know this morning. Uh, This is how you know you're having a bad day. I'll share this story, and it may make you feel better, because if you have a bad day today, if things go wrong and you think, man, I'm just having a lousy day, think of this story. It'll make you feel better, because no matter how bad your day is, if if this has not happened to you, then on balance, it ain't so bad after all. A woman in California bought a... Super Lotto ticket that hit the jackpot for $26 million. And you're thinking, how does this make me feel better? Because she believes she has she destroyed the ticket in the laundry machine. <laughs> the manager of the store where the winning ticket was bought tells local news reporters one of her Their regular customers said she ruined the winning lottery ticket shortly after buying it. She had it in her pocket 
put her jeans in the washer and that did it in lo and behold now how she knows that it was a 26 million dollar winner i don't know she played maybe she plays the same numbers all the time and so she has them memorized and they came up and uh, then she realized what she had done i don't know a lottery spokesperson says the incident will be investigated but if no one is able to receive the prize then the uh, payout will uh, just go into the uh, the state school fund as all lottery uh, proceeds do there in California, like Ohio and many other states. But I saw that and I think that is the very definition of a bad day right there. So keep that story in mind today. If something goes wrong, if if everything goes wrong for you today and you think, man, this is just a rotten day, this is just a bad day. Think of it this way. It could always be worse. <laughs> Man. And one final uh, note here. The first things you need to know before we move on. This is uh, kind of uh, interesting. A sports-related story. A uh, record number of kids are being named after Maverick star Luka Doncic. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Doncic? Don- Doncic? Anyway. Uh, the name Luca has more than tripled in popularity since the 22-year-old guard made his NBA debut for the Dallas Mavericks in 2018. Annual data from the Social Security Administration shows Luca started as the 404th, uh, 404th most popular name for babies in 2017 and has since gone up to number 221 on the list. How about that? Luca, would you name your child after an NBA star? I I don't know. I'm just wondering, how do you explain that to your kid years from now? Anyway, there you go. Some of the most interesting, nonetheless, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Dimchek. WTOL 11 first alert forecast, mostly sunny today with a high in the upper 60s, partly cloudy tonight, low in the mid 40s. A Finley Street will be closed for two and a half months for a bridge replacement project. The Hancock County Engineer's Office says the Howard Street Bridge Replacement Project will begin on Monday and last until August 1st. The bridge is located on Howard Street between Broad Avenue and Fox Street in Finley. Get more on the project on our website. We get a doctor's take on the state's decision to lift the pandemic health orders, including the mask requirement, on June 2nd. Dr. Ian Gonsenhauser is with the Wexner Medical Center at Ohio State. He says he supports the governor's timeline. It gets to a point where uh, the risk is low enough that waiting longer isn't really going to gain us that much more safety. And now's the time to consider this. And in a handful of weeks, when this goes into effect, mm-hmm. we should be in pretty good shape. Gonsenhauser says when there are 100 or fewer cases per 100,000 people, the risk is much lower. Dave James, I went in news. Ohio Attorney General Dave Yost wants the state's police officers to get a bonus for working during the pandemic. Yost is proposing creating the law enforcement support program, which would make at least $1,000 in extra pay eligible to Ohio officers who served during the pandemic. He points out that officers have not been able to work from home or maintain a six-feet social distance on the job, but have remained on the front lines. He says the money would come from the Federal American Rescue Plan. This is National Police Week, and people are being encouraged to light Ohio blue this week. While Finley High School won't be having a traditional prom this year, they will be holding the first-ever senior promenade tomorrow. Assistant Principal Christine Siebenek says the event is important because this senior class didn't have a prom last year or a homecoming dance this school year. So this is a way for them to still have a school experience, that festive experience. And also, you know, if they want to dress up and they want to have all that, the magic of a promenade and celebrate their time with each other. It'll be held tomorrow night in the Finley High School Courtyard. Get more on our website and get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. get to our cover story this morning representative john cross is with us this morning 
the reaction to the governor's announcement on lifting the state's health mandates. Mr. Cross, thanks very much for uh, taking the time this morning. We appreciate it. You uh, issued a, a statement uh, yesterday or day before yesterday uh, in which you said, I am encouraged that Governor DeWine finally listened to the legislature and is removing the restrictive health orders across our state. However, we should not be treating our health care needs like a game show. And I want to get to that aspect of it uh, here in just a moment. But obviously, you feel that this was something that was long overdue. However, it will not take effect until uh, the 2nd of June, which obviously means not in time for the uh, big Memorial Day weekend. I'm assuming that you would have liked to have seen it at, at, at a minimum uh, a little bit sooner. Morning, Chris. Yeah, you know, we're, we're excited. I think a lot of people are excited. June 2nd is the date. And I, and I do believe the governor has finally listened, like I said, to the legislature. If he, was, if, if he wasn't going to open Ohio here soon, the legislature was going to do it. We were drafting resolutions ready to open Ohio by June 22nd, which is based upon Senate Bill 22 that would give us the authority to do that. But he, listen, the governor set the date for June 2nd. I would take it today. It's, it's going to be a beautiful Friday today. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not sure what three weeks is going to do, but you know the good news is I think people are excited that normalcy is near, and uh, and, and that's a good thing. And, and a lot of news has happened right since 24 hours, 48 hours since he's made right. that announcement. I think the other second good thing that he did was he he is going to stop and end the additional $300 unemployment stimulus that is really causing a lot of people to stay home and not go to work. So it, it has to work hand in hand because if we're going to open, if we're going to fully open Ohio, then we need to have the workforce ready to go to take on full capacity. Well, certainly with respect to lifting the mask mandates, uh, that is supported by the CDC's announcement yesterday that fully vaccinated folks no longer need to uh, mask up. So uh, the timing there, and of course, as we were mentioning a little bit earlier, uh, most of the state now has uh, gone down to the orange or even the yellow level in some cases on the state's uh, COVID, uh, COVID map. But the governor was quick to point out that individual uh, businesses, uh, restaurants and retailers and such will still be able to uh, require masks uh, if they feel it is necessary in their businesses. This will make it a little bit more difficult, though, for those individual retailers or stores uh, to uh, restaurants and such to uh, impose a mask mandate when it's not backed up by the mandate uh, of the state. Is there any concern that you'll have these individual proprietors uh, that may uh, get a an unreasonable amount of pushback for that? Well, you know, listen, businesses, uh, schools, churches, you know, they'll, they'll have their own individual rights to do what they see fit. But now the Ohio consumer, we, the people of Ohio have choices. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to go to a store and they're going to require me to wear a mask, I'll probably go somewhere else because other places are going to start to lift that. You know, I saw this firsthand, Chris, when my family and I traveled to Arizona over Easter weekend, the governor out there lifted the health orders and some stores were, were fully open and other stores required a mask. And I think people were obviously being polite and following along. So there'll be some of that. But I really think, you know, people are getting vaccinated. Uh, we're in a much better situation today. And we live with risks every day. You know, I'm sure if I went and uh, ate cheeseburgers every day, that's not probably good and healthy for me. So, you know, there, there's risks in health care every day. So we have to learn to live with those risks. But, but keep in mind, People say, well, John, we're, we're already open. Well, no, fully open means 100% capacity. Restaurants can bring their tables and chairs back in. Uh, Ohio State Stadium can be full capacity. The, you know, Cleveland Indians or, you know, Cincinnati Reds, pick your favorite team. They can have, they should be able to have full capacity. Churches can have full capacity. That's what fully uh, opening Ohio means. And I think that's, 
that is important because now people can be able to fully operate at a hundred percent capacity. And I think people, I think you'll see normalcy here return, you know, as I travel around Finley and Kenton in my district, it, it seems like it's, it seems like it's normal now. Yeah. So we're, we're getting there. You uh, also, as we alluded to in your statement, uh, were very vocal in your opposition to the governor's uh, plan to uh, offer up uh, that uh, large incentive uh, for folks to uh, get vaccinated uh, with those million dollar drawings for adults and the uh, scholarships uh, for uh, children. And it's interesting that uh, you uh, are taking the same position as uh, Senator Sherrod Brown. Uh, there aren't a whole lot of issues, I don't think, where you and Sherrod Brown would agree, but this one is uh, is one. <laughs> right. Well, it's an interesting observation, but you know, I I would say, listen, you know, when we when we heard the announcement and what and what the governor announced yesterday in his press conference, I'll take two out of three. He fully opened Ohio. <laughs> he's Fair stopping. Enough. He's stopping the right. He's stopping the unemployment benefits. But I don't believe the game show gimmicks uh, are are necessary. Are you? Are you? And, are you? I was just gonna gonna ask with respect to that. Uh, are you opposed to any incentives uh, to uh, you know encourage people who have not yet gotten vaccinated to get the vaccine? I mean, that's what it boils down to. Yeah, sir. I mean, listen. You know, the governor's trying to be creative, and cre- there's nothing wrong with being creative. It, you know, I think your listeners need to know this. I think this is very important. The governor has money that from the federal government that is supposed to be used to promote vaccinations. So under the under their purview, they're trying to take this money instead of using it for TV ads or other marketing. They're just going to do, you know, game show style lotteries. So, you know, I would rather see this money being used maybe uh, other ways to properly uh, educate and inform Ohioans about what the vaccination is. But again, very simple, very simple. If you want to take the vaccination, there's plenty of places that you can do it. If you don't want to take the vaccination, then don't. I, I'll, I'll release my information. I have not taken the vaccination. I've had COVID. I still have the antibodies. I'm not taking the vaccination. I want it to be a little bit further developed, and 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 that's where my position is. But I've had family members take the vaccination. I think it's I think that's the best way to handle it. Is people can make their best choices for their healthcare needs right now, and you know uh, how the governor goes about it. You know, I, I would prefer not to see you know, a million dollars given away or free college scholarships as an incentive to get a shot. Yeah. So the, I think there's, I think there's other ways we can do it. Uh, to be fair. And just to, to point this out, uh, the using those, uh, funds that uh, came from the federal government that are use it or lose it funds. I mean, if you don't, uh, if you don't uh, spend them in some way, they go back to the federal government. We know the federal government's going to find a way to spend it. So, uh, well, there well, is that. The, here's the, here's the bigger point, Chris is we, we gotta, we gotta quit giving away free stuff. Right. We need to turn the Fair federal enough. printing presses off and quit giving away free money because it's our taxpayer dollar money, regardless hey, of where that money is coming from. It's our tax dollars. Yeah, I agreed, and and you uh, certainly make a, a good point there. Uh, with respect to that, uh, that segues nicely into the enhanced unemployment benefit that you referenced uh, earlier. Um, and the argument is that the enhanced unemployment has been keeping folks from getting back into the workplace, as you alluded to. But is that is removing the enhanced uh, unemployment enough or uh, to to get people back to work in and of itself? Or are there other factors at play that we need to look at? Well, we're hearing from the business community uh, a lot, and they're telling us that they're having troubles getting uh, their workforce back because of that unemployment. So we're hearing firsthand from the businesses. You know, I've got restaurants in the district that are not open Monday through Thursday, not because we, we don't want to go support them mm-hmm. because they don't have the wait staff uh, and, and the workforce. Same in manufacturing, same in uh, agriculture. A lot of industries across the spectrum 
uh, have have said, you know, John, this yeah. is an issue, and so the governor has said the same. That's why that maneuver has happening. But but this market right now is so hot for jobs and opportunities. I mean, if McDonald's is giving out five hundred dollars sign on bonuses to go to work, I mean, Chris, you and I are going to go flip burgers for a couple of days. <laughs> fair, uh, fair enough, right? I, I, I there's a lot of incentives out there to get to work. I will. We'll have to leave it there. And uh, interesting, as you said, probably said it best. Uh, you take two out of three in the uh, governor's announcement. Uh, it is certainly moving in the right direction. With respect to that. Again, uh, Representative John Cross with us this morning. Mr. Cross, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks. Happy Friday. Well, infrastructure has certainly been a topic on a lot of people's minds recently. As it so happens, this is Infrastructure Week, a week of advocacy bringing together organizations from local businesses, trade associations, chambers of commerce, mayors, and even individual citizens to talk about infrastructure. And thus, we are joined by Ed Mortimer, Vice President for Transportation and Infrastructure with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and Greg Regan, President of the Transportation Trades Department at the AFL-CIO. And I'm just going to get this out of the way right up front, gentlemen. I don't know that there are too many issues where we would see you both uh, advocating on the same side. Yeah, that's 100% correct. I mean, we don't we don't agree on everything, but this is one where we are in lockstep. We need big federal investment in our infrastructure. Every you know, we think that across every mode, it's uh, deteriorating. It is hurting productivity. It's hurting jobs. Um, and you know, there's a reason why nine years ago we came together to form this coalition and advocate on behalf of uh, on, on improving our our national infrastructure. Now, again, we talk about the uh, discussion and debate that is going on right now about uh, investment in infrastructure, and it seems the key question, and I want to put this out here to both of you, uh, what defines infrastructure and where uh, is the most attention and investment needed to address our nation's infrastructure? How should we define this? Sure, I'll start, Chris. Um, look, infrastructure, you know, in our view is we need to get a solution that can get signed into law. And so President Biden put out a very broad definition of infrastructure. Um, we think that's an important start of the debate. Um, but again, uh, you know, traditionally infrastructure has meant the physical network. So our transportation networks, our water systems, uh, rural broadband, where there can be public-private partnerships to solve that issue. Um, and then looking at the energy grid. Um, pipelines, transmission. Um, and so from our perspective, to get a bill through the Congress this year and to provide that vision that then states like Ohio can step up and do their part is let's focus on those areas of agreement on the physical infrastructure. Let's come up with some common sense solutions to invest in them. And then again, you know, this is the time to get it done. As we're getting through a pandemic, um, as we're looking to get people back to work, there's no better time to invest in America than now. I, you will get no argument there, I'm sure. When we talk about the uh, needed investments and the fact that this is something we have ignored for far too long with respect to the physical infrastructure, roads, bridges, and so on, we we can see the potholes on the roads or the overcrowded roadways. Uh, in extreme cases, we see bridges uh, that are uh, in danger of collapse or it, sometimes do collapse. And we see those things. But it's worth noting that the cost of ignoring this goes well beyond what we see. What are those uh challenges or what are those those costs that we don't see help people understand that part of it you know every every year um american families pay over over a thousand dollars in wasted time on fuel repairs um and lost income and delays caused by traffic congestion alone cost over 160 billion dollars a year so every day we are paying for infrastructure and for the, the for our lack of investment in it every american is um, and as we look forward, this investment is truly an investment in our people and in, in uh, the needs of our communities and in our future competitiveness as we uh, look forward to, uh, frankly, a, a very competitive global economy that we need to be prepared for. What we see is, you know, you miss your kid's soccer game, you miss your daughter's dance recital, 
Those are the intangible things that impact our quality of life. And from the business community's perspective, you know, that, that is important is spending time at home, being able to move, being able to have productivity. And so, you know, people are like, why is business and labor together on this? It's because modernizing our infrastructure is the right thing for our country. We need to put partisanship aside and we need to have federal action on behalf of the American people so we can have a good economy, so we can have a better quality of life. And there's no better time to do it than now. Again, as we mentioned, you really will get no argument in terms of the need for uh, upgrades and improvements to the nation's physical infrastructure. What seems to be holding up progress on that is, as we referenced earlier, that expanding definition of what infrastructure is. And to be fair, there was a time when we would not have necessarily considered broadband internet as infrastructure. So this is uh, a changing definition over time what do we need for real change to happen when it comes to uh, infrastructure defining what it is and bringing people together uh, on what that definition actually is i think the debate that we're having right now at the federal level is is important i think infrastructure as we define it i mean like i represent people who work in our physical more traditional sense of infrastructure but Mm. um what the pandemic have showed is it showed the weaknesses throughout our system and where the needs are um, throughout our country. And broadband is an example of that. I think schools are another part of that, water infrastructure. All of these things that are being discussed at the federal level, um, frankly, that's what we elected them to do, to have, have these debates and have these discussions and ultimately to come up with solutions. And that's what we're calling on them to do right now is to, is to find the solutions and identify the needs that our country has. It is a worthy point to make that uh, the debate itself uh, is worth having, uh, even though it seems like that's holding up what everybody agrees on. It is certainly uh, a debate worth happening. As we mentioned, uh, this is uh, Infrastructure Week, the theme United for Infrastructure, a week to champion America's infrastructure. And where do folks go to get more information on your uh, joint positions uh, on this issue? Sure. To find out more about the week and how they can, uh, your listeners can be part of getting our elected leaders to act, you can go to our website at unitedforinfrastructure.org. We will link up to that on our webpage. Again, Ed Mortimer, Vice President for Transportation and Infrastructure with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and Greg Regan, President of the Transportation Trades Department of the AFL-CIO. Gentlemen, thank you both for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Good to be with you. Well, American TV audiences, it seems, can never get enough of courtroom drama. Joining us is Lou Denig. He is a four-time Emmy-nominated producer of such shows as Judge Judy, Judge Joe Brown, Swift Justice with Nancy Grace, Divorce Court, and more. He is executive producer of a new nationally syndicated court show called Relative Justice. And uh, Lou, what is it about these shows that make them so popular? Chris, uh, people love these shows for a couple of reasons. First. Um, on these shows, there, is, there are consequences to bad behavior. And in a lot of people's lives, there's no consequence to bad behavior. <laughs> so it's really satisfying to see some consequences to bad behavior. <laughs> um, also, the storytelling concept is very clear. The one on the left is angry about something and thinks it's the one on the right's fault. And then the, you know, the lady in the black dress, she says who, who's right and who's wrong. It's very satisfying. You know, you know, there are, there are some cases, uh, that are, that seem pretty cut and dry. It's, it's real easy to say, to, to look at it from the very beginning and tell who's in the right and who's in the wrong. And then there are others that are uh, much more nuanced and it's not so easy to tell who is the quote unquote good guy and who is the quote unquote bad guy. Which do you think are, are more compelling really we, we always chris we always look for, for stories where first you hear the plaintiff tell her story and you think she's right and then you hear the defendant say why it's not his fault and then you think well maybe he's right yeah and now we have a puzzle 
we have there's a there's a question and there's something for the judge to do to bear it out to root through these people's relationships to root through the evidence that they've brought and that, that they've brought and to uh, figure out you know who should win this dispute so um, and then in the process you know the, the folks at home learn how to make decisions about who's right and who's wrong they learn something about those kinds of disputes that they might have in their own lives and then they also learn something about how to solve the problems between people who have a relationship. Yeah. Um, everybody needs, you know, some kind of, of help or tactic or, or strategy to try to get along with somebody in their family or, or somebody, uh, you know, or their spouse or somebody in their community. Yeah. And what these shows do is show people really how, how problem solving can happen. So and that's why I'm so excited about relative justice. Yeah. So they're all related to each other. Exactly. Exactly. So it's it's kind of uh, the uh, television equivalent of a Dear Abby column in a sense, uh, where people uh, learn through the experiences of of others. So as we mentioned, the new show is Relative Justice, and as folks might guess from the name, your focus is on resolving family disputes specifically. How did you come up with this? concept or this idea well you know we've done uh, i've we've done a lot of court shows and some of the best stories that we've told on these court shows you know on judge joe brown or divorce court are are stories where the people are related to each other because there are real stakes involved i mean there's a whole family issue and our job on this show is to try to put these families back together again our our, our goal is to make the Thanksgiving table, a, uh, a fun and enjoyable place, not a contentious place. And, and Chris, I think, I think your analogy to Dear Abby is really right. That one of the things that was great about that column was it, it gave people tactics to try to get along with their family. And we're going to try to do that, too. So uh, you are actually in the process of uh, seeking out uh, uh, individuals uh, who have disputes with uh, family members and, and so on. What types of conflicts are you looking for here? A absolutely, Chris. We're looking for any kind of conflict that you have with any kind of relative. So if you loaned your cousin a car and he scratched it up or got into an accident that he claims is not his fault and you have a dispute over who should pay for it, we want that story. Uh, one of the stories that I love is uh, a woman um, who's about to marry into a family, went to a family dinner, took her engagement ring off, put it on the windowsill over the kitchen sink, helped cook the dinner, left, forgot it, and her, her future sister-in-law, who didn't really care for her much, decided <laughs> that when she found the ring, she should keep it. And maybe she kept it, maybe she sold oh, it, maybe oh. she pawned it. Oh, Nobody man. really knows. But that is a dispute. Oh, um, man. You have a dispute where... Uh, I know. How how low is that? <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Um, I'm thinking. Some of these uh, may actually uh, make you feel better about the uh, minor conflicts in your own family. If this hasn't happened to you, if you don't have this going on in your family, you're really not doing too bad, comparatively speaking. That is awesome, and it's totally true. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, I might be annoyed at something, but at least I mean, that didn't happen to me. But, you know, uh, <laughs> So and, and exactly, and, and Chris, you know, I'm, I'm, we'd love to get some of your listeners on our show. If they have any kind of disputes, you know, they can call us at eight three three five five court, or they can just write about their dispute at relativejustice tv and you know you don't have to have the other side just tell us your side of the story and you know we'll help find the defendant and um and the great thing about these shows chris is that uh, is that we pay the judgment so chris if you're suing your your aunt and you think she owes you 600 bucks and you come on our show and our judge Rhonda wills says that she actually owes you the 600 bucks whether she's got two nickels to rub together or not We'll give you the 600 bucks. So there you go. And I, I always wondered about that uh, in terms of these shows. Now, the, the format, really quickly, the, the format of the show is going to be pretty familiar if folks have watched any of these other uh, courtroom shows, right? Or is there a, a particularly interesting spin on that aspect of it? Well, the show looks like a looks like a court show. I mean, um, yeah. our set is showing up now. It's a beautiful space. But yes, as you start with the plaintiff telling her story, the defendant gives his defense. I mean, one of the things that's different about these shows, this show, is that we'll be able to do demonstrations. So uh, we'll be able to bring in experts or 
uh, or uh, therapists or whatever is required by the by the story. We have we have a story where um, uh, two brothers were playing basketball and one of them claims that the other one gave him a dirty foul and that caused him to break an ankle. Wow. So we're going to bring in a basketball coach and a doctor and uh, and we'll demonstrate the foul and we'll see whether it was clean or not. Wow. Uh, that that's going to be really fun. It we, is. You know, I mean, we have space on our set for well. Uh, uh, families bringing in a motorcycle. We'll have basketball goals. We can bring animals. I mean, one of the disputes that I love is, you know, I, I, uh, Chris, will you take care of my dog for three weeks while I'm gone? And then I leave for two months. And when I come back, <laughs> you love my dog and you won't give it <laughs> back. Not giving it back. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, again, so, so Chris, I'm bringing, I'm bringing you and the dog and me to the stage and we're going to figure out where the dog gets to live at the rest of its day. It's going to be uh, an interesting uh, show, to be sure. Relative Justice executive producer Lou Denning with us this morning. We'll link it up on our webpage. You want to learn more about it, maybe uh, submit a case uh, to be reviewed by Judge uh, Rhonda Wills uh, yourself. Uh, Lou, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Oh, Chris, thanks so much. It was great to talk with you. Have a wonderful day. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. You know, Canadians are generally known for being nice. I mean, they have the reputation of being very nice, very even-tempered. But there are exceptions to every rule. In Winnipeg, Monday morning, man in his 30s is waiting in his vehicle in a drive through line at a local restaurant probably a Tim Hortons (laughs) just minding his own business. When another man randomly approaches and asks him to buy him a cup of coffee. When the driver refused, police say the man reached through the open driver's side window and punched the victim in the face because he wouldn't buy him a cup of coffee. Here's the thing. The the police were watching all of this happen. They were uh, happened to be patrolling uh, in the area and saw the whole thing unfold. Uh, Not very lucky for the uh, man who committed the assault. He was immediately arrested and charged with assault, causing bodily harm and remains in police custody. So (laughs) they're going to deport him out of Canada because he's not nice. That's no, I don't know that. This is kind of weird. Track and field really isn't a contact sport. But again, every rule has an exception. A teenager from Ocean County, New Jersey, had to be hospitalized on Tuesday after he was impaled by a javelin throw. (laughs) Ouch. Police say the incident occurred uh, outside of Donovan Catholic High School in Toms River, New Jersey. Tuesday evening, officers found the injured 16-year-old boy on the field with a javelin impaled in his right thigh. Firefighters actually had to cut the javelin to allow for safe transport to the hospital. Um, Because, I mean, javelins are long things. They couldn't fit him in the ambulance, so they had to cut off the... uh, He was still in the hospital as of Wednesday, but they believe that he's going to recover. The police say... The extent of the student's injuries was unknown, but he has been awake and having a conversation with first responders who helped them when they are who helped him when they arrived on the field. So he's going to recover, um, but <laughs> he might want to think about quitting the team. I don't know. That's a couple of stories out of Florida because we always have to have a story or two out of Florida. The Ocala Police Department says the manager of the local country and in suites saw 42-year-old Melody Carr in a two-piece bathing suit at the hotel's pool earlier this month and didn't recall ever checking Ms. Carr into the hotel. So, because the hotel pool is for hotel guests only, she asked for the woman's room number. Uh, Ms. Carr became irate, refused to provide her room number, and stormed off. The manager then reported to police... Uh, that uh, Ms. Carr was trespassing. But when the cops arrived, she was uh, walking a dog at a nearby hotel. When confronted, she became verbally aggressive and told the police to leave her alone because she wasn't doing anything wrong and claimed the manager at the hotel had called them because she was, quote, jealous that her body looked so good, unquote. (laughs) 
yeah, that's it. He was jealous of her hot bod. <clears throat> anyway, uh, Ms. Carr was uh, told that uh, she needed to stay away from the hotel. She could be charged with uh, with trespassing. So. <laughs> oh, and by the way, she uh, was also arrested on a intoxic public intoxication charge. Oh, okay, well... I- Busy day for one Florida man who caused not one but two crashes in Volusia County and in an attempt to evade police, tried engaging them in a game of hide-and-seek. 42-year-old Jeffrey Hawley caused a minor accident in his Chevy pickup on Tuesday night and fled the scene, only to step in a big pile of karma. Moments later, police say Mr. Hawley charged through a red light, slammed into the back of another vehicle, and rolled his truck several times striking a power pole. But his journey wasn't over as the he then scrambled out of the truck and uh, ran off. However, he forgot his wallet and ID in his wrecked car. <laughs> and so police knew exactly who he was. Mr. Hawley then tried hiding from authorities who summoned a helicopter to assist in the search that already included search dogs and several officers Eventually, police found his hiding spot about a block away from the wreck underneath a pool deck. He is now being held without bond at the Volusia County Jail because, surprise, surprise, he was also whacked with an additional charge for failing to appear on a previous drug possession charge. (laughs) He hit the trifecta. Two two accidents um, uh, and, and a previous warrant for his arrest (laughs) and fleeing from police. He threw that in for good measure. (laughs) Uh, Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news. Some tense moments at Walmart in South Euclid, Ohio. Police say they were called to the potato chip aisle for a disturbance between two women, one of whom threatened the other and her daughter She pulled down her mask and attempted to spit on the victim, but missed. And so the, she then struck the victim in the face with a 10 pound log of packaged meat. (laughs) This all happened in the potato chip aisle. The 25 year old suspect was arrested and charged with assault and violating a temporary protection order. It turns out the victim had a protection order against the other woman following an incident at the University Heights duplex, where they both live. So, this was not a random incident, as it turns out. (laughs) Man. And finally, given Florida a run for its money, and finally, in the broken news this morning, this from the International File, five college students in China are going to jail for exploiting an ordering glitch for Kentucky Fried Chicken. Now... Kentucky Fried Chicken, very big in places like China, Japan, um, Asian nations. Kentucky Fried Chicken is big. Prosecutors say that this group of college students found a hack in KFC's online order platform, which allowed them to order an endless amount of free fried chicken. (laughs) Apparently, they had a voucher for like a free meal, and they hacked a loophole in the system that managed to net them $30,000 worth of free food. The group's ringleader apparently resold some of the chicken for a profit. <laughs> and that was a big no-no. A court in Shanghai handed out jail sentences of up to 30 months and uh, several fines on charges of fraud. So there you go. That is, They take their KFC very seriously in China. There you go. That is today's broken news report. We It's brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veteran Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. 
And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. It seems the majority of pet owners would pick their four-legged friend over their romantic partner. Study by one poll finds 67% would break up with their significant other if their pet doesn't like them. 67%, two out of three of the 2,000 Adults in the survey, 71% said they trust their pet's judgment more than their own. 68% trust their pets more than their friends. And 67% trust them more than their family members. Almost 7 in 10 Americans, 69%, say they have dated someone their present, uh, that, their, that their pet didn't like. Uh, more than two-thirds, this was kind of interesting, 69% said it is worse than having... Uh, It is worse to have their pet mad at them than their partner being mad at them. (laughs) And if a potential partner is rude toward a pet, 64% of respondents say they could never forgive them. Never forgive them. So, the best way to be liked by a pet, the uh, survey does contain some advice. If you have a date this weekend, take this to heart. Respondents said that their partner needs to be friendly to the pet. That was the number one response, 44%. Give behind-the-ear scratches, 40%. Uh, 38% said give the pet treats. Um, and the uh, survey, the folks at the survey said it just shows how highly people regard their pets, um, their unique quirks and unconditional love that you can't find anywhere else makes it easy and natural uh, for us to trust our furry besties to play a big part uh, in every area of our lives, including deciding who we should and should not date. Once again, we are joined in the studio by my wife, Kyra. Good morning. I make that like a big announcement because people look forward to this. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> it's a big deal. Kyra is with us uh, in I'm the studio. Deal. With uh, <laughs> You are a big deal. <laughs> with us in the studio with another collection of uh, recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Uh, tasty and easy to make. Those are the uh, two... Uh, yeah. Prerequisites for yes. uh, everything, and we've got some uh, some good stuff. This is uh, one that we had uh, earlier this week. Yep, you're my guinea pig, <laughs> <laughs> as I usually am. <laughs> and uh, I tell you, this is uh, this is yummy. Uh, we have a recipe for cheesy chicken melts. Yes. So for this, the ingredients is two large chicken breasts, boneless, skinless. Uh, two teaspoons of McCormick Sweet and Smoky Rub, one of my favorites. And then the filling is eight ounces cream cheese softened, one and a half tablespoons of butter softened, uh, three-fourths cup of cheddar cheese shredded, salt and pepper for taste, and then your hamburger buns or potato buns, whatever type of buns you like. And then there's a sauce that will go on top, which is three tablespoons of mustard, two tablespoons of honey, uh, half a cup of butter melted and a fourth tablespoon of everything bagel seasoning. If you don't have that, any type of seasoning is, is that fine. like a is that like a brand? Yeah, uh, I, everything yeah, bagel. It's, uh, yeah, it's seasoning. It's, okay, so if you eat a everything bagel, which was one of one of my favorites, there's oh, okay. like a so, topping, and I it's see. like a mixture of different types of seasonings: poppy seed, minced onion, okay. that type of stuff. So, I mean, if you don't have the the everything bagel seasoning, if you just have poppy seeds, that's okay. fine. If you just have minced onion, dried minced onion, that's okay. fine. All right, so, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So the instructions then. Or place your chicken breast in a crock pot, pot with a cup of chicken broth. I used a little bit of Marsala wine also, just to give it a little bit of a smoky taste. Oh, it why does. not? Yeah, it <laughs> cooks off. <laughs> and sprinkle each of the chicken breasts with your rub. Cook on low for four to five hours. Um, then once that's done, shred your meat, drain off the broth, um, add the cream cheese, the butter, the cheese, and the seasoning. Stir until. Um, it's well co- evenly combined. Um, then open up each one of your buns and spoon the filling on the bottom half, top with with the uh, the lid of the bun. Uh, place all the sandwiches in a baking pan. 
um, I used my big pie pie pan because there was only we only had like three or four of them. Right. That we did. Yeah. So then, in a small bowl, stir together the mustard, the honey, the butter, and the seasoning. Uh, that's your sauce. Then um, I brushed um, on about three fourths of it on top of my sandwiches. Then on top uh, of the bun, mm-hmm, yeah, yep. And then uh, bake uh, for about 12, twelve to fifteen minutes and serve immediately. You can use your extra sauce to dip it in, or you can brush the extra sauce on top after you get done baking it. So you mentioned that we made about four sandwiches yeah. out of yeah. this. Yeah, we. You could, they were I pretty did, generous sandwiches. Yeah, I only did one large chicken breast. Also. Okay, I didn't do so, two because I knew with the two of us. So this, so this recipe as it sits would serve eight. Yeah, and they were pretty generous yes. yeah. uh, mm-hmm. in terms oh, of yeah, the amount of chicken good. on the yeah. uh, sandwiches. Yep. A uh, couple of other notes. Uh, number two, uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention. Uh, with respect to this, you are not a big shredded chicken fan. No, I'm not. And this, this was you good. really liked. So, I liked. It, so if you yes. are among those that, that don't particularly care for shredded yeah. chicken, yeah. you might want to give this a try. Don't yeah. just dismiss this because, oh, here's another yeah. shredded, shredded chicken yeah. recipe because it is pretty good. Yep. Uh, but I will say it is messy. Yes, <laughs> it, it is. It this, is messy. <laughs> this might be a fork sandwich. Yes. So yes. I used my fingers, but I was licking them because they were nice and sticky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is definitely it is a sticky, messy yes. uh, chicken, uh, cheesy chicken melt. Yes. So, uh, to go along with the uh, cheesy chicken melts, we have a red potato casserole. Yes. So this is six medium red potatoes, one cup dill dip. Um, if you don't have dill dip, if you have like um, the stuff to make dill dip with sour cream and some dill and different seasonings, you can do that. Mm-hmm. Whichever way is easiest. Uh, quarter uh, bacon crumbled, one cup shredded sharp cheddar cheese. Uh, for the topping, a half cup of shredded sharp cheddar cheese, two cups of crushed potato chips, and six tablespoons of butter melted. So wash your potatoes, cut into large bite-sized pieces, um, about an inch or so. Uh, cook potatoes until tender, combine potato chips and melted butter, and set that aside. Then mix your potatoes with your dill dip, your bacon, and your cup of cheddar cheese. Spread into a greased 13 by 9 inch dish, baking dish. Top with your remaining cheese. Sprinkle with your crushed chip mixture, butter Mm. mixture, Mm. and then bake at 350 for about 20 to 30 minutes. You didn't make this when we had the cheesy chicken melts. No. Uh, no. We just had fries. <laughs> so I point that out. This, though, sounds yeah. really yummy. Yes. Um, yeah. And you definitely notice uh, another in the uh, recurring theme that when we have potato dishes, it's usually red potatoes. Yes. I like red potatoes. <laughs> it's, it's I'm a red, red potato, potato fan. <laughs> usually red potatoes. And then for dessert, uh, fresh strawberry angel food cake. Yes. So the ingredients in this is a three ounce package of strawberry jello, one and a quarter cup of water boiling, one pound of fresh strawberries, one eight-ounce package of whipped cream thawed, and 13-ounce angel food cake. You can make your own angel food cake or you can buy a store-bought. Completely up to you. Uh, Wash and cut your fresh strawberries into bite-sized pieces. Freeze them until they're ready. Um, Usually, those will freeze within about three to four hours. Okay. Um, So, if this is something you want to make that day, if you do that in the morning, you're fine. Make this in the afternoon. All right. Uh, Break your angel food cake into one one and two-inch bite-sized pieces. Dissolve your jello in the boiling, boiling water. Add frozen strawberries and stir. Then place your strawberry mixture into a large bowl and fold in your whipped cream. Then add your angel, angel food cake pieces, combine that all together, pour in your 9 by 13 inch pan, chill in your refrigerator for at least four hours and until it's firm, and then you're good to go. And you can that, top it with some more whipped cream or great, strawberry jam. A great, or, cool yes, dessert yes, for a whatever. warm summer day yes, right there. Yummy. Yeah, the uh, fresh strawberry angel food cake dessert, yep. along with the cheesy chicken melts and the red potato casserole. Yes. Some good stuff uh, from Kyra's Kitchen this morning. As always, we have those recipes posted on our Facebook page, on the WFIN Facebook page. You can find it there. We also have that linked up at goodmornings.net. And if there's a recipe you want to share, 
uh, or a request for a recipe, yep. something that you've been trying to find, we'll put Kyra on the case. Just uh, yes. shoot us an email here at uh, goodmornings at WFIN.com, and uh, we'll take it from there. So some good stuff finish up the week my wife kyra thanks very much for dropping by you're welcome and that finishes up our podcast for today and puts a wrap on the podcast for another week want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program as always you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net coming up on monday we'll dig into the numbers from a new survey on the state of public health programs and funding by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and Harvard University and what the data tells us about managing the next public health crisis. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day and a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.